It's Tennessee Titans talk, end of night one. Right now, Philly's on the clock with the 30th, 29th pick, whatever you want to call it. The, the draft is almost over as far as the most exciting night, and we wanted to give you our live reactions because it has been certainly living up to the expectations of the most unpredictable draft in recent memory because all day we were hearing, no one knows what's going to happen. And I thought, that's just posturing. People are saying things, but right off the bat, we saw things that we've never really seen before. What was the most surprising thing that happened in this draft so far? I mean, there's so many different things because everyone knows I'm a Closet Lions fan. And I think tonight has... Closet about yeah. it. Well, you say that, but I think tonight is forcing back into the closet because, I mean, the Lions just botched what was a prime opportunity because they traded back. They got an early second round pick with the Cardinals. They had five picks in the top 55. They were set. Then they took the second running back in the draft at 12. They, they took 12! No one thought Jameer Gibbs was going earlier than the late first. Like The Bills at 27 were the absolute earliest. Them were the Bengals. This is a guy who, yes, he's a really good receiver. Yes, he's really fast. He's 199 pounds. He's not a tough runner between the tackles. And most importantly, he's a running back, and he's not super-duper talented. And they had bigger needs, and there were plenty of guys falling there. I know this isn't a Lions podcast, big fella, but they took him. Why didn't they take him 18? I, I don't get it. They easily could have, and their 18th pick was a bust too with Jack Campbell. Like we've, I, I, you know, there are guys that I've liked, but I know Landon has repeatedly said you don't take an off the ball linebacker in the first round unless it's Erlacher again. And even then, I'm sure Landon would probably question that. You don't take him 18. No, you are taking a running back 12, and you don't take Campbell because. Campbell crushed the athletic testing, and he was a great college player. They took him for the name. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, maybe there's some nepotism involved. Maybe he's secretly related to Dan Campbell. I do think we'll look back and see a squandered opportunity, because after that trade back, they had five picks in the first, what? In the, in the first two rounds of the very yeah. least. I don't know. Maybe that's why they, they literally have not been good for 50 years. And I think we might see more of that. What else jumps out to you? I know you guys, y'all have listened to this to hear about the Titans, so maybe we'll just talk about it. We'll just get it out. Our friend David was here. He wanted Skoronsky from the beginning. I like Broderick Jones. Like, we were afraid of Levis, obviously, Ugh. and it didn't happen. I mean, it was nerve-wracking, and I know for our Titans fans, I think most of you didn't want Levis. Landon, when you found out it was Skoronsky, what was your first initial reaction, and then John? It was just pure relief that it wasn't Levis, because going into it, I was pretty open-ended as far as anyone but Levis. That was all I didn't want to see happen. And he was there at, at 11. I didn't even realize it, because we were talking about the other picks, and then... And Goodell walks up and I realize Levis is on the clock. This is on the board. We're about to make a pick. I just felt my stomach dropping. And when I heard Skaronsky, it was just relief because I'm not the highest on him, but he's going to be a good starter right away. He's going to fill that left guard spot, which we need. I'm content with the pick, especially in a night when there's been so many questionable head-scratching picks that if I were a fan of that team would have me furious and upset. I mean, taking Skaronsky, taking a guy that's pro-ready is going to be a good going to be a good offensive lineman at the worst position on that line. That's perfectly fine. Big fellow, we all said, all three of us, just as long as it's a lineman. I, I really feared that we wouldn't go there. Like, we feel like we'd plug those holes in free agency. We did go for a lineman. I'm kind of upset we didn't go left. I would have been pounding the table for shut up for days on it. I wanted to know what it's like to eat a banana with the peel on. No, I was elated that it wasn't Levis because the way that he was dropping and with us sitting there at 11, we saw Richardson go at four, which I thought was crazy. A little bit really high for him. 
And that, you know, that essentially says Richardson, who isn't ready, is your starter next year. And Not you know, necessarily, because they signed Minshew if they think he's really not ready. Still, Minshew is not going to be a 17-game quarterback for any team at this point. So I, I think, think yeah, certainly, but they're not in a rush because they have their own pick next year and they'll move Richardson in at their own pace because if they suck with Minshew next year, guess what? They can get, worse comes to worse, a guy like Marvin Harrison if they really suck and Richardson isn't ready. I like Big Fellow's point, though, and I think it's this. That pick was just as important as our pick, right? And I think Richardson is enough of a risk, although he's terrifying because he could be so good. He's enough of a risk that you like that pick because, honestly, any of our big rivals picking earlier than us, I mean, that is a huge pick for the Titans. I'm not convinced that if he's there at 11, we wouldn't have taken him. We would. I, I, I think we easily would have pulled the trigger on Richardson Obviously, Yeah, and then keeping... In the division, Houston, after everything that all the smoke and buzz, we took, after all of that, C.J. Stroud goes second overall. The strangest diversion in recent draft memory where the Texans misled everyone as long as they could about who they're taking. Then they took the guy that was the consensus second quarterback on the board. And then they trade up to three for Will Anderson, who we love. But the cost of that trade up is they gave their the beginning they gave their second at the beginning of the second round this year. Yeah. They gave their first rounder next year, which is I mean, that could be an amazing pick because yes, they've had a lot of talent. D'Amico Ryan's is gonna have them playing better, but this team has been bottom three for the past two, three years. And is a rookie quarterback like Stroud really going to elevate them that far? And training a future first to trade back up. You get Will Anderson, yes, he's really good. I think that's worth it, but that first round pick in a class next year where there's better top end talent and a third rounder next year that's just something you never see if you're houston you got to know who you are and you got to know where you're at and where you're at you've been a bad team except for the short time that you had deshaun watson think about it john they mortgaged next year to move up again that's unwise they gave up too much value to come back to three they're houston we know they have a long way to go i think regardless of how good will anderson is unless he's lawrence taylor maybe that's how probably unless he's like literally like an eight-time uh, pro bowler they gave up way too much their 2024 first round pick is going to be way too high big mistake in my opinion I would agree, and that's why I could never get on board with us trading up to three because right. they moved, we're in the same yeah, position. We would not, we don't have the roster to afford the draft capital that it would have taken to move up. We would have taken Stroud. We would have had nobody to protect him. We would have nobody to throw the ball to. It's just, it's not a bad, it's, it's not a good look. I guess what I mean is, I think this is a good night for the Titans because Karonsky, I've called him Ben Don't Break a lot. He is. What's our biggest need? It's left guard. I, I think we'll talk him into that position in 2023. But I guess my biggest point, Lan, is this is a good night for the Titans because I think our biggest travel took some very big risks tonight. Absolutely, because I'm going to make it unanimous on the Texans trade. As pretty much the biggest Will Anderson fan there is, just the cost of trading up for him, and you look at the roster, yes, they add Stroud, and Anderson, they're going to have their third-round picks. But even then, that roster is still garbage. You look at the defensive line. You look at second edge rush. You look at linebacker. You look at the secondary not named Stingley and Petrie. It sucks. The receivers are all untested. An even harder time adding a new one because they traded their second-round pick this year. Could Stroud be amazing right off the bat and make them better than we think? Sure. Do they play in a 
probably the second easiest division in the NFL. Sure. But giving up a future first when you are as bad as Houston is, it's honestly inexcusable because when the Saints traded their future first last year, they were consistently right on the edge of the playoffs, had been into the playoffs. And then this next year, they only weren't in the playoffs because all their quarterbacks got hurt. New Orleans was a team trying a future pick to stay in contention. Houston is trying a future pick to get into contention, and their roster is nowhere near it. I'm hoping John Mechie will be really good. But but other than that, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing there. And that's the thing, because the line should be good, the run game should be good, but there's just too few pieces elsewhere. There's not enough pieces in the passing game. There's not enough pieces on defense in general. We saw when the Bears traded up for fields, they were in a different spot because they were trending down big time. That pick became the seventh overall pick because they didn't have much outside of him, and they couldn't build around him. We're going to see that with you. Yeah, I mean, seventh is probably right around where I think it could end up because they're not going to be as awful as they have been before, and there's going to be some really bad teams next year looking on paper. But Stroud and Will Anderson and then a bunch of the mid-level free agents they signed, are they really going to take that team we saw last year, take it from worst in the NFL to to outside the top eight? That's the big thing. They've got two good players tonight, but at what cost? Chiefs are about to end this first round. It's been a super fun draft. Some interesting things happened. We we talked about the Lions uh, kind of being head scratchers. We went, I'd call it chalk. You know, we've talked about Skronsky for months. We all said we'd be happy with him. We liked other prospects better. I, I'm just glad that, and I think, guys, it signals we want more Henry. I think it, it, it clearly signals. Obviously, we heard all day, and I checked my phone nervously all day. Are we going to trade our 2024 first to go up and get Stroud or Levis? I was terrified of that. We didn't do that, so it's a win, I really think. And this signals that is reinvestment of the offensive line is is a reinvestment as Henry is the guy that we're going to build our season around. And I'm really happy with it. I was pretty confident we weren't trading Henry. I'm not going to trade him. I'm just saying like, right. you know, if we well, got a quarterback, a that's a rebuild. Right. If you get an offensive lineman, it means we're still at, hit, we're still going to run this team around Henry, right? Yeah. Definitely. Like I said, with the Skronsky pick, the feeling of relief, that's how I'm coming out of tonight because I'm not a huge Skronsky guy. I know some people think he's going to be a Pro Bowl, maybe even higher level guard. That's going to be awesome. I don't see it, but just looking at how many teams made questionable picks this year, I'm happy just... Well, man, we I'm sure we could find plenty of times I was and plenty of times I wasn't. So <laughs> we'll just have to selectively cut around that stuff. I think you're right a lot. I think you are too. <laughs> I think we get it right a lot. But looking through this first round and all the picks that were made and some of the positional value that was strangely allocated in some guys that I thought were drafted too early, I'm cool with hitting a single or a double with Skronsky because, like we've said ad nauseum, we need linemen. You can never have enough. There's nothing wrong in the first round hitting a solid double, getting a good player at, at your biggest weakness. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to swing for the finish. We don't have to take Levis and hope he becomes the franchise quarterback. We can be fine taking our guy and solidifying the roster. Well, at least Skaronsky has the ability to play at an, at a you know above average level, and he's played a lot in college. He's not as much of a question mark as Voldemort that we took in 2020, or you know a, any of these other questionable. Certainly, lines. and he's a lot. He's Voldemort yeah. with a bad back in 2021. <laughs> And, he, and he's much and he's much more refined because 
I mean, everyone knows that. You watch Skronsky, what jumps out is how he looks like a lineman that's been playing in the NFL for years. Just the question is, I'd, I'm still kind of worried how much better can he get physically and strength-wise. And as we say that, the last pick of the first round has come out. Felix Anaduki, Uzama, the edge rusher for Kansas State. Bit of an odd pick, but Kansas City has their archetype of defensive end they like. There's nothing wrong with always adding edge rusher. So with that, let's just do a quick sum-up of the best available yeah, that didn't left? go. No, let or, no let why don't we say, what's your biggest surprise? Of who's still there. What's your biggest snub? My biggest surprise would be Joey Porter, the corner from Penn State. And I stole that. Oh, shut up. I always thought he was a first-round pick. I just thought he was a late first. The other guys, I guess Levis is a bit surprising because he's a quarterback and everyone is gassing him up. But we all know I think he's garbage. And guess what? He fell for a reason. Mayer falling is a bit of a surprise, but the only tight end that went in the first was Kincaid, who went 25th. So once again... So tight end is looking nice because Mayer and Darnell Washington are still on the board and we're 10 picks away in the second round for from either of them being on the board. And then Brian Branch falling might be a bit surprised, but this safety class just sucks. Yeah. And he didn't really wow in the testing. And he's kind of stuck in that nickel role, so it's not that much of a surprise. Really, I guess the question, I think it's really an indictment on Levis that no one traded up in the late first yeah. to get that fifth year option. Similar to Drew Locke, because these teams picking late first, like Kansas City and Philly right here, I mean, maybe not Philly because no one submits on the board. They would love to have them because they just love their Georgia defenders. But Kansas City, they took Anaduki Azuma at 31. They could have gotten him in the early mid-second, or they could have gotten someone of his caliber if someone really won that fifth-year option, because that fifth-year option is really valuable, but no one wanted it. When he fell past 11, he was done. No one wanted him. And it, we'll just have to see when teams think it's worth it's worth the investment, because to me, even if he's there at 41, I don't want him because I don't think he's good, period. And some people would say, well, if he was there at 41, the value and the upside, yes, yeah, take that's the risk That's my big question is, I think at 41, it's a totally different conversation, because I think... I don't think it changes good... 41 I kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm open. I don't think it changes because the player hasn't changed. No, that's fair. And and a lot of times when guys drop, that means that you know they're not really worth it. But there's some value to him. Not not necessarily to us at 41. I am interested in where he does end up. I think I think he could kick rocks. I'd rather Hooker at 41. I'm actually surprised Hooker didn't sneak his way into the first. I thought that was something that was going to come to fruition either with Minnesota. But he's there. I could easily see us taking him at 41 because originally I had us doing Paris Johnson at 11 and then taking a guard at 41, so like Steve Avia. But that doesn't make as much sense now if we're taking, since we took Skaronsky. He's going to be a guard as a rookie. I don't necessarily think a guard is our next move. No. Maybe they take a... A weapon they, seems the most obvious because we have no one at wide receiver too. Lan and I really like Marvin Mims from Oklahoma and Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. So the watch is on for both of those players on Friday, right? That's what's fun about the guys that you like, much like A.J. Brown. And I he just knew A.J. Brown was going to go to the Patriots, and they didn't take him. And even Mayer, who I don't love, like if he's there at 41, yeah, take him. So let me ask you this, John. You know who are our watches. Who's the watch on for you at 41? Is it Hooker? Like, who are you just, like, praying doesn't go in the next 10 picks before we go on Friday night? That's what I love about them doing the second round on Friday is there are fun trades. It's like you start the first round all over again. You guys know in 2019 I was praying for Brown. Who are you praying for at 41? I could be convinced to, to, you know, be praying for Hooker or Hyatt. Uh, I think he's there at 41. I I think he he makes a compelling case for us to take him. 
I don't know as much about Marvin Mims as, as you two do. I do think a skill position makes a lot of sense. I could see us taking that monster of Dewan Jones and just yeah. solidifying a right tackle, moving NPF to right guard. It, it, and so then, so then Brunskill to center, and then Brewer, we're just paying $4 million. Oh, I forgot about him. I would, be fine, I would be fine with Dewan Jones because Petit Fury didn't show me enough. And again, Dewan Jones, he's a pure right tackle. There's nothing wrong with taking him. And I mean, Skronsky, I mean, I highly doubt this would, be, this would happen, but Skronsky was a center coming out of high school. No, I think... Yeah. No, he's got. Yeah, he's gonna play oh, six picks. Oh, the Yeah, that would be fun. My gems are gonna be Hooker. It's gonna be Hyatt. Avila played center in college. Yeah, if you want to get a pure center there, I think the fact that we're paying Brewer four million dollars means he's gonna be our center. And given our cap situation, if we were gonna let him walk and draft somebody to play center, I think we would have done that, and we didn't. Us giving him that tender just gets stranger and stranger. Because not only is it the four million, it's the fact that would anyone really try and steal him away from us? Because we have to be the only team that sees a guy that's like two eighty on a good day. And think, yeah, he should be playing against 310-pound defensive t- defensive linemen all the time. Could we have not just let him walk, test for agency, and then come back if he didn't get a deal he wanted? And if he did walk, so what? When he has played center, he's been pretty whatever. And when he plays guard, he's awful. Is that really worth $4 million? You get a guy in the draft in like the fourth, fifth round, they're making less than a million. And what does Brewer offer more than them other than experience, which at this point is pretty much worthless because he's been around forever and he's not getting any better. We're going to find out if they took as bad as the offensive line was this past season so seriously this $4 million of insurance. If they pick another guy in the next three rounds to play interior offensive line, maybe that, maybe that's true. I would love, I, I don't think that's what they did, but I don't know. We didn't think they'd pick a lineman first. They did. Maybe they're, ta- maybe they're dead serious about it. And keep in mind, we still have Jamarco Jones on the roster, and that's just a weird... I mean, he didn't see the field for ten, more than 10 seconds last season, and we paid him probably not $4 million, but a few million, right? Yeah. A couple I think it was three. Honestly, one guy I forgot about, I don't know if he's somebody we would take at 41, but you guys have really, really turned me on to Jonathan Mingo. I think he would be yeah. so much fun. And he's been getting pushed up into the second round. And because, he will. Yeah. And that's what I'm worried about. And I don't think he goes before us other than Carolina at 39 is a big question in terms of the receivers but because they really need one. He's a big reach at 41 though, right? He's a reach. He's a late second to me. He's Just like Skronsky's stock got boosted by being a similar body type in position to Rashawn Slater in the same school. Mingo is getting some of that gas because he looks a lot like A.J. Brown and he went to the same school. But look at the production. Mingo is a one-year a one-year wonder as a senior with a third of his yards coming against Vanderbilt, which we all love Vanderbilt, but they're not exactly a good pass defense. Which is why Nathan, yeah. which is why Nathan, yeah, anchor down, buddy. Which is why Nathan and I want Mims because he checks all the production boxes and then some. What are other surprises or highlights you just want to punch in our podcast? Like, what do our listeners want to hear some some analysis on Titans or not? I think the fact that Mazzy Smith made it to the first round is pretty mind-blowing. Christian Gonzalez free fall is pretty weird. Yeah, that's got to be surprising. some smoke. Yeah, that's surprising. He was the third cornerback this in this draft, and a lot of the, most sports had him pretty much all. 
pretty much all the boards had him as a clear-cut top two option. Him and Witherspoon neck and neck for the top two. His floor and Witherspoon's floor was probably like eight to Atlanta. Witherspoon goes five to Seattle, which makes a lot of sense. Gonzalez falls all the way to 17. Not even that's that. Emmanuel Forbes goes over him. A guy that for pretty much the entire draft process has been clearly entrenched behind him as that third, fourth, even fifth corner. Now Washington took Forbes over Gonzalez. Gonzalez goes to the Patriots at 17. You want to think that's a great pick for them because they've been so good at developing defensive backs and getting great play out of them. And he's got all the tools in the book to be an elite shutdown player. But you look at their history. They draft a defensive back early. More often than not, it doesn't work out. That's the strange thing about Belichick's coaching and just how that roster has shaped up over the years. They draft a guy early, he doesn't work out. They get a guy late or undrafted, he turns into a star. An example, they take Juwan, Juwan Williams and Cyrus Jones in the second round in 2016 and 2019. They both suck. They never see the field. J.C. Jackson goes undrafted. Immediately, year two, he's arguably the best interceptions guy in the league. His third and fourth year, he's equally as amazing. He signs a, an amazing giant contract. He goes to the charge. Immediately, he looks lost. So there's something that the Patriots are doing right. If only they could figure out how to apply it to super talented players, because if you can make it work with the undrafted guys, you should be able to make it work with the first round guys. Because you look at Gonzalez compared to Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, all the guys they had last year. He dwarfs them in terms of talent. But I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't look as good as them because they just there's just that weird track record of things not working out how the way you think with them up in New England. So we've talked about the AFC South, obviously Colts and the Texans picking early, big risks that they took in different ways. Our other rival in the AFC South, Jacksonville Jaguars, 24th. Cam Robinson, we found out today, I'm sure they found out a few weeks ago, Cam Robinson's going to be out anywhere between two and eight games, depending on what substance he was using, what type of substance. He's been suspended for PEDs. I don't know that they pick a tackle. And they lost otherwise. And they lost Jawan Taylor in free agency. Right. So I don't know if they pick a tackle. But they did tonight. They picked Anton Harrison, probably 10 picks early. He's a, he's a quality player. He has some limitations. I think all in all, they were pretty smart to cover that. But they kind of had to. Yeah, he oh, forced their hand. What do you guys think of that pick? What do you think of Harrison at 24? I think it's fine. I think just the way that the AFC is trending, I think they might have made a lot more sense good to go Porter. You can't really argue with a team taking offensive line help, especially if they they actually have a need because of suspensions and you can never have enough healthy offensive linemen, especially in a division where we're, we're going to run the hell out of the ball and it's going to be a longer game. So they're just going to need to have more guys to hold up. Yeah, I don't mind the pick at all. It's People will hate on them for reaching and kind of panicking, but Anton Harrison was always going to be in this round one, round two flip range. He was clearly not in that... He was not sniffing that top four tier, but he was probably the best left tackle among the second tier of guys. And he got pushed up because of need because they don't pick again until the late second round. They can't go in the offseason without having a left tackle. And if you have to reach for a lineman, that's fine as long as he can play and he doesn't have character concerns, which Anton Harrison doesn't. Another pick I thought was a bit surprising was Will McDonald, the edge rusher from Iowa State. He was a trendy late round first. The Jets took him at 15th overall. He was the fourth edge rusher taken behind Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, and Lucas Van Ness. 
He went ahead of Miles Murphy and Nolan Smith. This is a guy who's a lot older than the other players. He's already 23 and a half. He's going to be pretty much switching positions going from playing with the hand, with his hand in the dirt to outside the tackle. But Robert Sala and that defense have done a great job over the past two years of getting every bit of talent and, lo- and the best possible play out of everyone they have. They needed that edge rusher because they traded away Bryce Huff midseason last year because they just had too many guys. They've got last year's first round pick, the 32nd pick, Jermaine Johnson on the roster. Carl Lawson has not lived up to his contract at all because he got hurt year one. He was coming back year from it year two last year. He's a cut candidate. And we've seen, especially for the Titans over the past two years, there's nothing wrong with getting edge rusher death because you always need them. Even if he's just a rotational guy, we all agree that he's one of the best pure pass rushers in the draft. You can have questions about his upside or his run defense, but the bend and the force and his ability to force fumbles and get sacks, he's really good. And that defense, now that they have Rodgers, they're Super Bowl or bust because Rodgers is probably going to play two more years at most if we're being charitable. Will McDonald, I think, is a pick they made because he's ready to contribute now. He's kind of maxed out as he is what he is. Maybe he plays a bit better in his more natural position, but he's 23 and a half. I mean, this COVID has temporarily just shifted the age distribution of guys that are going early. Because in the past, the guy that was 23, 23 and a half, he's not going first round. Now there's a, several of these guys going first round and it's just a safer pick. And that's what New York is doing because the one thing holding them back from the playoffs last year and even being a sneak dark horse was quarterback and they got Rodgers. That's good. Now all they need is a, rece- a second receiver and offensive tackle insurance and they're set. They are as complete a team as you will find because Rodgers will make that offense much much better and that defense is already top five so we got a lot to look forward to tomorrow I love that they split up the first round 24 hours from the trade and we got a lot of a lot of really fun stuff guys if you had to guess team or pick for Will Levis tomorrow you look down the line Detroit at 34 they've been out of left field this entire draft and I could see them taking him because I think he's awful and they've been going against what I think would be the right decision this whole draft but I I mean, the Gibbs and Jack Campbell picks read as them trying to, con- to compete now because Gibbs, maybe he gets a little stronger, but Jack Campbell is kind of maxed out. Just looking through the beginning of the second round, it's kind of hard to tell because you would think Detroit, but they seem set on Jared Goff. They're set to contend now. I think they seem set on disappointing you, Landon. That's what I think. Oh. So maybe they'll take Levis. Yeah, great point. In that case, they'll take Levis, and whatever hope I had as a Lions fan will be dashed, which is... A great welcome ritual to how actual Lions fans feel about that team. (laughs) Then you go down the line. The Rams at 36, maybe, but they have so many needs. Is drafting a backup to groom into your starter after Stafford probably retires after the season? Is that really what they want? I mean, right now they only have 45 players on the roster. That's by far the least. It seems like they're trying to tank because they have Stafford Cup, Aaron Donald, and nobody. I think Seattle at 38, you know, they've got... They've got some outs on Jimmy G's contract after this year, I think so, yeah. right? Yeah, um, but they they both have an out because Gino and Jimmy G's deals are both one-year guaranteed. Seattle's just a weird enough place for Levis, so it makes a lot of sense for me. And I guess Vegas is too, for that matter. I hope they do because if we're there at 41, he's still on the board. Obviously, the Skronsky pick means we're looking to contend now. And after Willis bombed, I don't think Vrabel is itching to draft another developmental quarterback. Skill position, or maybe we find an edge rusher to compete. Maybe the guy from uh, Notre Dame, or there's out of there's still out of Bartway, the Northwestern guy that never heard of her. But you go past Seattle and Vegas in the early second round, and then just it's empty. Like Green Bay isn't, the Jets aren't, the Falcons aren't, the Patriots. They were somewhat linked to Levis at some point, I believe. At least like they were slightly interested, but. They're not going to take him because 
Their Patriots taking them. Washington is rolling with Sam Howell, which I agree with. Detroit again, maybe at that point it's your fourth pick. It's later second round. Maybe you think at that point. Tampa Bay at 50, but it seems like Tampa is just trying to suck for Caleb Williams, which is a smart move. So really just how far could he go? Because then it's Seattle again, Miami, Detroit again. Obviously, there's going to be someone trading up, but if he's there past the 50th pick, that's not going to surprise me at all. Because the teams that need him are picking early. I mean, and if they don't we're pick... We're going to long look at him at 41, boys. I'm just going to prepare y'all. I don't know, but... No. We will, uh, though. We will long look no. at him. He has a skill set. No. I think Willis has soured Vrabel on it, and he wants to contend this year. And whatever happens with Tannehill's contract at this season, we'll worry about down the line. Because right now, the past two years have been an embarrassment for us. Choking the playoff game, and then last year, crumbling down the stretch. Vrabel's job is in any jeopardy. He's obviously not, like we've talked about many times, he's not the type of guy to tank or rebuild. And he's going to be pushing forward, trying to win as many games as possible. And taking Levis, when he's not going to start at all this year, goes against everything that we think. And if if we thought Levis was worth it in the second round, I think we would have considered it in the first. Now, they've obviously really liked Skaronsky, but it's clear after all just the buzz and the smoke about if we're going to tear it down, if Tannehill and God forbid Henry gets traded away, it looks like we're running it back. And if you're running it back, the 41st pick, especially with not having any receiver opposite Burks, it's hard to, for me to justify that on a developmental quarterback when we're trying to add guys that help us now at positions we really need. And adding Levis, where we're only going to get three years out of him at most, just doesn't make any sense. Another reason why is Vrabel lives on planet Earth and eats his bananas with the peel off. So Will Levis will not be a Tennessee Titan unless it's in the eighth, seventh round. I almost said eighth round, but that doesn't exist. That's all we've got for night one of the draft. 31 picks instead of the usual 32 because Miami got caught cheating. Bozo! And now we move on to round two. We've got probably 18 hours before it kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern time. A whole lot more picks to make. This is where the good teams really separate themselves from the bad teams. We used to be really good on day two in terms of adding talent and building up this roster. And let's hope that Rain Carthon can, can continue that. But as night one ends... We're all really happy with how it turned out, especially especially with how our rivals did and how the NFL at large, it was surprising, it was baffling, and we were the one of the teams that maybe we it was chalk, it was boring. I'm pretty confident we made the right move. Until tomorrow, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up!